0: Everyone should remember the P in HIPAA does not stand for privacy, it stands for portability. And the real intent behind HIPAA was to create a way to move people's records where it needs to go. And that is both to insurance companies, other providers, and to the individuals themselves that need access to their own medical data. And that rule has been used over the last, whatever, 10 plus years as a scapegoat. It's really used as a privacy blocker Making it more difficult to get access to records than the original intent.
1: Welcome to the Inon Health podcast. I'm your host Kapama Yopala, and I go by KP. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Inon Health. In today's episode, we speak with Troy Bannister, the CEO and co-founder of Particle Health. Particle Health is a rapidly growing digital health company improving access to data for health consumers by making data sharing easier for the organizations that serve people and their health needs. In today's episode, we discuss new regulation in the US which now mandates that individuals have access to their health information and how Particle Health is making that regulation a reality through its highly sophisticated data sharing model. We also discuss how data sharing relates to health equity and what this means for our vulnerable populations in the U.S. I hope that you not only get some insights into the technological innovation needed to make data sharing easier for organizations, but also what this ultimately means for people's health and wellness. Troy, really happy to have you on today on our podcast to talk a bit about the really amazing work you're doing at Particle Health on data transformation and making data accessible to enterprises who could then make that information accessible to patients, Um, and also to talk a bit about what that means um, when we think about health equity. Um, So thanks for joining us today, Troy.
0: So happy to be here. Thanks for having me, KP.
1: Great. So you have a, a really interesting company in Particle Health, and you know for our audience that's less technical or doesn't have an IT background what i want to make sure of today is that we can kind of unpack your what your organization does in a way that's easy for them to understand so let's start with just you giving a little bit of background about you know your own personal trajectory in terms of how you've been engaged in healthcare for some time and then what led you to launch Particle Health
0: yeah so i'll try to keep it short but uh, the story started back in high school. My math teacher, who I really loved, um, always told stories about being an EMT when, when he was in college. And I thought that sounds so exciting. So when I got to college, the first thing I did was I enrolled in an EMT course and I worked in an ambulance all through college, fell in love with medicine, ended up going to medical school out at Georgetown. And I absolutely hated it. I was like, I am not a doctor. That's not that's not me. So I ended up switching and getting a master's degree in biophysics, of all things, and took that into clinical research for a number of years at Mount Sinai before moving over to a company called Startup Health, which is where we met. And when I was at Startup Health, the, the best and most amazing part of it was like I just got to meet hundreds, if not thousands, of entrepreneurs over the three years that I was there. And I learned about what was happening in healthcare, this move to you know digital health. And I saw the same problem over and over and over again. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm building a digital health company. Nine times out of 10, it uses some form of clinical health, health, you know, medical data to, to make decisions and create value. And there's no way for me to get access to this data. The only real option back then was to go to a hospital, 18-month sales cycle, $100,000 integration, and now you have one hospital. And you have to go do it again and again and again and again. And you have to have a whole team dedicated to it. And it's a giant cost center And when I looked at other industries, I saw companies like Plaid and Stripe and Twilio that were solving for three really big things. This fragmentation problem of all the siloed data, like banks, for example, Um, the privacy and security component, making sure the right information is going to the right people. And then the data standardization issue, making sure that the, the organization using the data has one type of data that they're getting and not a thousand. So they can actually use it in a meaningful way. And that's where it kind of clicked for me. If I was going to start a company, what is the biggest issue today in my mind that is holding healthcare back? And this was the issue um, that got me to start Particle.
1: That's amazing. So for people that may not be familiar with Plaid or Stripe or these platforms, maybe you can share what the experience is for us as consumers. Sort of things that are happening behind the scenes that are enabling us as consumers to have ease of experience. So maybe you can frame that for people that may not be familiar and then we can bridge that into how you're doing that in healthcare with Particle Health.
0: Yeah, so this is the, how do I explain this to my parents that are like, what do you do again? Um, (laughs) If you've ever used Venmo before, which most people have, when you say, I want to move $5 from my account into my friend's account, the way it works, and and not, not, not a lot of people know this, but Venmo uses a company called Plaid that connects all these banks together and can move information around. And that's the backbone of, of Venmo, of Mint, of Robinhood, all of these fintech apps that need to get into your financial data and move it somewhere else or, or access it. You, you don't even know Plaid's really doing it most in most cases, right? But it's there and that's that's what, what makes Venmo Venmo. And so the question is, how do you do this in healthcare? And there's a lot of similarities from the fintech banking space. There's also a ton of differences. Um, The data is way more fragmented in in healthcare. Uh, You know, most people have one bank. They log in once a month to manage their, their funds. In healthcare, you probably have seen five, six doctors over your life. If you're sick, maybe 10, 20. And that data is all over the place. And so how do you build a product that is as simple as Plaid, but can account for all that complexity? And that's what Particle is really focused on, is behind our API is a ton of stuff that makes it really easy for developers. They just don't see that stuff. All they see is one API with one query and one uh, bundle of data that comes back.
1: Amazing. So let's like, you know, so I think for people who have had any experience in healthcare trying to access their data or trying to share data from their primary care physician to a specialist before the digital health innovations that are starting to proliferate, the process was your doctor might fax or mail information related to you to that specialist for example so this is like total analog world so and that still happens a lot in healthcare today so i need a knee surgery and so my primary care physician is like go to this ortho so then how does that data get to ortho well they fax it they mail it whatever now with digital innovation companies are trying to make that process electronic. So maybe you can talk now about how this evolution has looked and what's enabled your business to start to play a role in making this easier, ultimately for patients, because your customers are organizations, but those organizations or companies are serving, they're trying to make things better for patients, ultimately.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this has been an interesting kind of history to watch, this evolution. And it's a long history. It goes back to... You know, Microsoft Health Vault in the 2000s was an attempt to aggregate every, your, all your medical data into a single place. And they sunset that, that project about, I don't know, three or four or five years ago. Um, but the evolution has been pretty interesting. You know, V0, fax machine. That's still what most organizations run on today. And there's companies out there that are making billions of dollars ha- that have people that run around and fax documents around. The next kind of iteration, V1, was really this integration engine approach, and what they tried to do and, and do actually quite well is cha- abstract or, or uh, unify all the differences between hospital A, hospital B, hospital C into one standard. So no matter where you go plug your product into, it's the same. They're kind of like an adapter. The third iteration is what a lot of groups call uh, portal scrapers. So this is where, if you've ever used Apple Health Kit before... You go down a list of hospitals, you click on the ones you remember you've been to, you log into the portal with your username and password. And then after you do that two, three, four times, it brings all that data into the app on your phone. That doesn't work that well because people don't really remember where they've been and they definitely don't remember their passwords to their portals that they've logged into six years ago. The new approach, the one that Particle's taking is often referred to as the network of networks. Behind Particle is three national networks that is uh, basically com- comprised of every EMR in the country and every pharmacy in the com- country. So through Particle, we can run a simple query, just using your name, date of birth, address, phone number, and gender. And we use that those five pieces of information to go look for your records. You don't have to tell us where it is. We can go find them all around the country, pull download all that data, and then, and then standardize it into one single standard for our customers. So this is kind of the new way of, of doing it.
1: Amazing. And so the the goal here ultimately is, you know, and I think to help people understand the power of this is maybe to give some examples of how your technology is being used by organizations such as mine or others to then build that bridge to ultimately make things better for an end beneficiary. Maybe you can share a couple examples so people can really ground this, this transformation you're supporting in our industry.
0: So one of our biggest and oldest customers is Oak Street Health. Um, It's a primary care value-based care group. Um, I think they IPO'd last year, so they're pretty big. And every time new patient comes to Oak Street Health, they will use Particle to query for their complete medical records. And we go gather all that information and we give it to them in a nice standardized package. And that allows them to say, before that patient even shows up for their first appointment, you have these conditions, you're on these medications, you have these allergies, the onboarding experience is seamless. And it allows the provider to know on that first conversation exactly what to be talking about and what to be looking at. And if this person has diabetes, let's start thinking about how to treat their diabetes and get them healthy. Um, The other really interesting piece of that is when that patient comes back in three months, we can rerun those queries and see other information that happened in other places. Did they go to the ER? Did they, you know, get new medications that we, we should be aware of. And they can help really manage this patient in an intelligent way without having to get on the phone or have them come in and go through this big questionnaire over and over and over again. That data is just there and it allows them to automate.
1: Great. So what was it like before Particle Health? So clearly Oak Street would have had an electronic medical record system. What were the gaps in information that they were experiencing that now Particle Health is filling, right, with your innovation?
0: They were doing this by fax machine
1: before. Okay, so they were, they were analog before you.
0: That's how most of our customers were doing it before Particle. You know, a new patient would show up. They'd say, what are your doctors that you've been to in the past? They write some names down, and they go fax for those records.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's something I have to say, because I'll share an anecdote. My cousin, whose mother was having a health issue, um, needed to get her to a specialist, and he had to get information from another provider. And when he went to ask for that information, this provider, and this is just last year, this provider was very cagey about sharing those records with him to take to the next place. And, you know, my cousin is a lawyer by training. So he basically had to go that route to be like, it's my right to have this information on behalf as a caregiver. Maybe you can share what happened in the legislative landscape that really facilitated your organization
0: yeah. So the, the two big pieces are, first of all, HIPAA, right? And and everyone should remember the P in HIPAA does not stand for privacy. It stands for portability. And the the real intent behind HIPAA was to create a way to move people's records where it needs to go. And that is both to insurance companies, other providers, and to the in- individuals themselves that, that need access to their own medical data. And that rule has been used over the last whatever, 10 plus years as a scapegoat. It's really used as a privacy blocker, making it more difficult to get access to records than the original intent. And so what's happened is when people request their records, often you hear things, you know, like, like you were talking about, we're not comfortable sharing, or if you want it, you have to come in, or all these crazy things. We have to pay us money to do it.
1: And people are like, this is our information. Like, this is my personal health information. So I should have access to it. I should have a right to it.
0: Right. But it doesn't necessarily specify how you get that access. So a lot of people default back to CD-ROMs, faxing. If you want it, you got to fax for it. And they use that as a barrier to sharing data. The new piece of legislation that passed last year, it's under the 21st Century Cures Act. It's called the Anti-Information Blocking Rule. And just like it sounds, anti-information blocking, it's meant to prohibit the blocking of access of information. And it basically says in a, in a very simplistic way, it's way more complicated than this, the patient has the right to access their data how they want to access their data, so long as it's technically feasible. And so that's where APIs come into play, because APIs are, are technically feasible ways of getting access to your data.
1: Can you explain what an API is for people that may not know who are not techies?
0: Yes, So an API stands for an application programming interface. And without getting too technical here, it's basically a set of rules for an app or a platform or some kind of technology to use a a doorway to get access to data. And particles connected to these major networks. So our API is a way for customers to to engage with those networks. And the API makes it really simple. Uh, Most of our customers can connect with it in a couple hours using some of our clients. And so it's a really kind of developer-friendly way to connect to a large set of data and get access to that data in a standardized way.
1: Great. So what we're really talking about here, Troy, and, and this is why I really wanted you to explain this, is sometimes people may have a hard time connecting some of these highly technological innovations with benefits to the, to a consumer or patient. And in this case, really what your organization is doing is transforming the way that ultimately people can access their personal health information and then upstream from that, the organizations that serve them or the companies that are trying to enable this kind of digital transformation that we're seeing in healthcare today.
0: Yeah, so like going back to the Plaid analogy, right? Before Plaid, how did you get $5 from your bank account to your friend? You know, The answer is maybe go to the ATM, you know, get some money out and then go give it to them or write a check. But with with Plaid, all of a sudden, that API, because Plaid is an API, enabled groups like Venmo to make it really simple from an electronic standpoint to move that that data around or that money around.
1: Yeah, I yeah, know that makes a lot of sense. So so let me ask another question. So you've given a good use case around, Oak, was it Oak Street Health? Yep. Tell me about now the end consumer. I'm sure people listening would be asking, well, can I access this data, right? How, how can I as a person access my data regardless of... What organization may be accessing it that's serving me, like as whether it's an insurance company or a provider? Do you have use cases of organizations that are unlocking this to a consumer space?
0: Yes. So the rule is very new. Um, It just became enforceable last month. And so it's very fresh. And there's a lot of question marks about how this is going to work and how it's going to go. So we are currently running our beta program with consumer facing applications to start running these queries on behalf of consumers, because historically we've just been running them on behalf of providers. So a doctor requesting your record versus a person requesting their own record. And there are definitely security and privacy questions about sharing records back directly with a person versus a provider. And so this is what the beta program is all about. It's, we, you know, we have a plan and we have tech that can enable this, but let's take it slow. Let's do baby steps to make this work and you know my my thought is by the end of the year this will be fully ubiquitous and we will have customers doing it at scale
1: okay great so and this rule you're saying it is this new regulation that was announced or that was enforced in April of 2021 can you explain what that is or what what the changes that's now unlocking this consumer opportunity
0: so that rule i mentioned earlier the anti information blocking rule passed last march of 2020 it just became enforceable last month meaning the, the grace period is over. You should be compliant. And so we're we're kind of like looking towards the providers around the country. And we're going to run queries on behalf of consumers. And we're going to see if they start responding because legally they have to.
1: Okay. Got it. Very good. So I, I would like to transition because one of the, the big reasons I, I was excited for us to speak today is to talk about what your company and this new rule means in the context of health equity. Um, There's a conversation that started at all levels of I think the federal administration as well as in different states across the country um, about how to do a better job of tracking race, ethnicity, social determinants of health related data because as we've seen through the COVID-19 pandemic, there are stark differences in morbidity and mortality, which shows the brunt of the COVID pandemic is falling upon BIPOC populations. And part of what we're learning as we dig into this is the research has been there for decades about, for example, racial disparities in health, um, how indigenous populations have been disenfranchised in the health system, all that is there. But as we think about what to do, we realize that it becomes very hard to change what we can't measure. And if you look at it, even in the context of COVID, um, only 24 states in our country actually unlocked race and ethnicity data um, regarding COVID vaccination rates. So it's not uniform. And there are all kinds of challenges in how you capture this data And so some of where I would like us to go next in this conversation is talking about, you know, how this type of data transformation actually, if done well, can support a broad array of diverse communities and not only supporting accountability around serving those communities, but transparency in terms of the issue. So, you know, I know that Epic and Cerner, for example, are starting to collect social determinants of health data in the EMR. I'd be very curious to hear if you're getting that type of information in your system and how you see this topic of broadening the scope of some of the social data we capture and bringing that into the story.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting stuff. Um, I think there's there's two layers to peel back here. I think layer one is what can greater data sharing paradigms like what particles, hope you know, working on do to expose or create transparency around real dense clinical information around different populations? If we pull data on this population versus this population, what can we uncover with true empirical evidence, which is a hard mm-hmm. thing to do today because that data is just locked away and fragmented and siloed. So what can Particle do to to bring that information into the right organizations that are looking for this type of insight? And that's a really interesting conversation to be had. The second piece, second layer is what can this data be used to support in the, in the form of product services, um, and, you know, healthcare innovation and, you know, Particle's real mission here. And the real kind of, uh, thing that I love trying to wrap my head around is if Particle can get all this data outside of the hospitals, outside of the clinics, outside of the practices and EMRs into new technology, then that technology can exist outside of the traditional healthcare system, outside of Mm. the regular payer group, outside of the hospital brick and mortar facility. And that means there's greater competition, cheaper prices, more innovative thinking. It unleashes a new ecosystem of healthcare that's not tied to payers and providers explicitly. Mm -hmm. You can build something outside of Ever talking to a hospital system or a payer because now that data can flow into that application and be used in a competitive way. And that's where it gets really exciting because people will, if this works, people will have greater choice. Instead of going through your insurance plan or your MA account and figuring out what providers are in your network and going to that provider and then paying that money, that co you could just download an app and for a dollar talk to an, a, a, a physician and they have your data. And they know what meds you're on and they can re-prescribe and they can help you in a really meaningful way. And that's where it gets really interesting is we can remove solutions outside of the traditional healthcare system and create huge competition for underserved populations and, and everybody.
1: Interesting. So just to explain for people that are listening, an organization, let's say, that was using technology to serve an underserved population and needed data let's say their client was a hospital serving that information, um, that clientele or that patient population, you would have to integrate with their electronic medical record system to get the data or, or use other data approaches to try to access that data on a regular basis. And for small and up and coming companies, that's a very expensive process. Because if we don't have the data on the populations we want to serve in a seamless way, we can't do them justice. So, What I hear Troy talking about is organizations that are outside of the traditional hospital or payer space, like let's say community-based orgs, you know, that want to deploy innovative solutions for their population through infrastructure like Troy's would in essence be able to access relevant information for their population, if so authorized um, based on the legal agreements required. Um, But this seems to be transformative in terms of more inclusion, in terms of innovation, by lowering the bar of data barriers for different types of orgs. So that's one thing I'm hearing from you as we think about equity and digital inclusion that your tool kind of supports.
0: This is what gets us up every morning is what entrepreneur out there is going to build a platform on particle that doesn't work with payers, doesn't work with providers. It's just a standalone product that is just better, cheaper and more engaging than having to go to your doctor at the hospital just to get a checkup. Right. That's the key here. And that's what's super interesting to us.
1: Mm. And at the same time, for the incumbents that are serving tens of millions of people in our country, whether they're providers or payers, your solution helps them do what they do better. So it's so I see that also as being very important here. You're helping the existing system do what they do better, and in an through an equity lens, we're going to be able to unlock more data for them. But at the at the same time, you allow new entrants with innovations to be able to offer value, and ultimately, like you say, that that creates more competition in the space, gives consumers more options. And I think that's that's incredible. Tell me about in your system today. So for example, like social determinants of health pre-COVID pandemic was being discussed. And Epic, for example, and Cerner started unlocking modules inside of the EMR where when someone comes in, they could ask basic questions about someone's well-being and social and economic circumstances to have a more holistic picture about that individual. I would assume if, if that's getting captured in the EMR that within particle health, you're gonna to start to build also a non-clinical database. But I'm curious if if you're seeing that inside of the data that's available now, or we're still very early days.
0: It, it's definitely still early days, but we are seeing social determinant data come back through our API. So we definitely see SDOH titled uh, fire resources and, and other types of information. Um, I don't think everybody's doing it. I don't think everybody's really wrapped their head around how important it is yet. I think some groups have. But I think a lot of them haven't, and you know, Kippy, I think you understand. Like, this is very important information to help understand somebody's holistic health picture, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's if it's not there, you're missing a very important, you know, cl- clue into who this person is and and how to best treat them. When we prioritize what data sources we want to plug into our API, we started with EMR data, then we got pharmacy data. We're looking at lab data, IOT data, claims data, but what always bubbles up towards the top from our customers even is social determinant data. It, it is becoming, I think, a very uh, important and and less of a, a, a faux pas into how important this information really is.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think that for us, as we know, and again, the COVID-19 pandemic made this clear, but this was already a problem in our society. People's wellness and their and their health needs are, are beyond clinical care, um, and so we need a more holistic picture of the individual. Um, and so I'm I'm glad to see at least we have we're starting to scratch the surface within the EMR context because yeah. that's going to drive certain elements of data that's available in in your system that can be unlocked. I know here in Colorado where I'm based, there in the initial stages of developing a social health information exchange, calling the SHE, So the construct there is, if you look at the social services departments in our state, they're collecting other data regarding people's needs. And if you think about, for example, CMS, and on the Medicaid side, they're collecting other indicators. But that same person that's on Medicaid is at the homeless shelter, and that data is not speaking to each other. So here in Colorado, there we're in the initial stages of looking at integrating that unified view at an exchange level and an interoperable level. And I think there are a number of different states looking at that. But I can anticipate as those things start to happen, they're going to transform the type of information that we're going to be able to use to support people. And I have a question, though. So for, you know, for our black and brown populations, particularly and for all kinds of reasons that are well-founded, there's a significant amount of mistrust in institutions and particularly around data. And so some people might be hearing this and being like, wait, what data do you have on me and why do you have it and who gave you the right to have it? I mean, there is, this is a real issue in our country, generally, as we know, with privacy and, and other types of issues that are going on around technology. But for indigenous populations, for black and brown populations, it's even a deeper level of concern. Around data ownership, how it's used, you know, lack of trust in institutions that are well-founded. So, how do you think about that dynamic in this space? And as you're, I mean, you're doing good work, but we have to acknowledge that these are well-founded sentiments of concern. So, what's your response to people yeah. that may listen and have that sentiment?
0: So, we made a decision from day one never to hold on to this information. Um, the way Particle works is you the individual want to share your data with a doctor that you're going to go see next week at an appointment you tell particle please share this data with my doctor we go run out find that data pull it back share it with the doctor and then we delete it that's it we we don't have a centralized database of people's records it's not our mission it's not our goal to aggregate everybody's medical data and sell it or do whatever with it Um, we delete it it's gone this is a decision we've made as a leadership team from, from the get-go, aside of all the risk and, and the security challenge of, of getting hacked and being you know, in deep trouble for, for exposing people's medical data. It's really a mission thing. Like, this is not why Particle exists. Particle exists is to move your, your medical record from A to B, and then that's it.
1: Great. So someone may say, that's great, Troy. So then how do you make money? Because we know all these big tech companies make money on our data. So then how is it that you make money knowing that you're a venture back? Like what's your business model that enables this?
0: We are purely transactional. So for every record we move, we charge a fee to the provider, to the payer, to the consumer application, whatever we sell to. So it's free for the individual, Yep.
1: Okay, good, and I think that's important. And I think with everything we're learning in our country around data and privacy and consumer sentiment around not wanting their information to be monetized without unknowingly or without them having control. I think it's important to highlight here that, you know, Troy's business model is not built on retaining and selling your data, because that's what people assume. And, and there's significant negative sentiment around that. And particularly in healthcare, this is our, this is very personal to us, and the idea of someone monetizing our personal health information, frankly, is unacceptable, I think, to a lot of people in society. So I think it's, I, I want to emphasize that in Troy's model being transactional, he's not incentivized to store and resell your data. He's actually incentivized to unlock it to the groups that can support offering better well-being to people. And I think that's something important to emphasize. Um, have, I, have I articulated that accurately, Troy?
0: Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, as a millennial, um, you know, I, I have faced the issues of the Facebooks of the world's, you know um, in in my, in my growing up. And we don't want to be that company. We don't need to be that company. Being a transactional company is, is plenty and a huge opportunity in and of itself.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think this is great. I mean, I ask every um, person on this podcast, why they're in on health equity, because everyone that I'm bringing here has some type of reason why they care about these issues. And I'm trying to expose different lenses and different models through which health equity gets addressed. Um, So I think people have heard a little bit about your personal story. Like, you know, I think it's important for people to know this isn't just an organization. Like we're all driven by some personal mission. So why are you in on health equity if you were to kind of to summarize based on what we've discussed so far?
0: Yeah, I think at at a young age, I was working in the ambulance. I was 17, 18, 19. And that was a very formable experience for me. And working in the ambulance, you get front row seats to the health disparities of a metropolitan area every day. You're seeing it, and it's it's mind blowingly chasmed between one population and another population. And it was just a completely eye opening experience for me um, to see that. And I think it's stuck with me throughout my entire career. I think if I hadn't gone into that that job at that early age, I wouldn't be here today. Like I, it, it is just amazing to see how healthcare is you know we don't think about health a lot but when you're in the back of the ambulance and you're having the worst day of your life healthcare is on your mind it is the top of your list um, and it's it's unfortunate to see the state of the world in the way that it is but we can play roles and we can make big moves and we can change stuff and this is again why you know when i was working at startup health and i saw this key core issue that i still believe is one of the key core issues in the the problems that the healthcare system experiences, I saw this as the only problem for me to go solve. Um, It's just so massive and core that if someone did fix this, it will massively impact the health disparities that I was seeing when I was in the ambulance.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Troy, we've really appreciated spending time with you today. You're doing very important work. I appreciate you as a friend and an entrepreneur and someone that's really looking to make um, transformational change that is needed in our healthcare sector. So we wish you all the best and uh, continue doing what you're doing. Thank you for joining us for the In On Health podcast. For more information on this guest and other episodes, please go to www.inonhealth.com podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at In Health. Until next time, this is your host KP signing off.